Hello and welcome to VoiceWorks Sound Business, a podcast all about radio, audio and of course sound. And today a little bit about words as well and how many words you should have in your audio advert. On this episode I'm talking to Jason Brownlee, founder of Colortext and the man responsible for some brand new analysis of audio advertising effectiveness and some discoveries they've made about how having too many words in your advert can actually reduce how effective it is. Some of their findings are pretty staggering, so I'll let Jason explain them to you. At the start of this podcast, we kind of go into a bit of the methodology of how they gathered the data. So if that's not interesting to you and you just want to get straight to the meat, skip forward about four minutes into the interview and you can start there instead. But on today's Voice Work Sound Business, it's Jason Brownlee telling us why word count matters. Jason, thank you very much for joining me on VoiceWorks Sound Business. How are you and where are you? It's a pleasure to be here, Jim. Thank you for the kind invite. I'm very well, thank you. It's a bit nippy today. I live in the Lake District or not far uh, from Penrith, um, a nice town there. And we've got snow on the ground, so it's very bright and sunny. I imagine that's lovely that time of year. If you're in the Lake District, snow on the ground, it probably looks beautiful. But if you want to get bread or eggs or anything like that, it's just a complete nightmare. Yeah, we don't get Uber Eats. Right, well, as much as I'd like to talk about snow and beautiful Lake District scenery, what we're going to be talking about today is the research that Colortext have just released into audio effectiveness and the importance of word count. Some fascinating results in this research. Before we get into exactly what you've found, can you tell me a little bit about the methodology here? Was this data that you gathered or was it data that already exists that you were digging into to look for results? Well, Jim, this is um, an exercise that's known as a data fusion. So there are um, several data sets coming into play here. The first one is from AudioTrack. AudioTrack is owned by AdWanted. Uh, many people may remember them better as MediaTel. MediaTel and AdWanted are responsible for collecting all of the data on advertising that happens on radio, linear and other platforms in the UK. So that all goes into something called the JET database. And JET's been running for a long, long time. Anyone that's um, booked a radio campaign and wanted to know um, what the post-campaign analysis has to say about reach and frequency, those sorts of things, JET's where you go to. And it's, um, it's a world-leading system, actually. We're very lucky to have it. Now, from that, the guys at AdWanted developed something called AudioTrack. And what the um, objective of that system is is to make it much easier to distribute audio creative content. So if the guys in the creative studios have have made an ad, there may be several executions and they may even do different mixes for different platforms because we know what sounds good on uh, linear radio doesn't always sound good on a podcast, Mm. so you can have those kind of variants. That all has to get where it needs to go and it has to be done correctly. And um, you can imagine the email trail if you're doing it the old-fashioned way. Well, Audio Track is designed to take all of that nonsense out of our lives and distribute um, those audio files from the creative studios to exactly where they need to go to make sure they go on the right radio stations or the right platforms. Now, that's the core of this uh, data set. It's um, it's a very interesting one because it's never actually been examined before. And uh, we had um, three years of complete data. There were 10,000 campaigns in that um, data set with 13,000 different bits of creative because, as we say, not every um, campaign uses the same creative for each um, platform. 
And um, we, we fused that with the third data set, which we got from um, the radio centre. The radio centre have been running a project called Radio Gauge now for 15 years. I have to declare an interest here. I, I designed Radio Gauge 15 years ago, and it's kind of like watching one of your teenage children grow up and uh, suddenly turn into a big strapping lad or lass. And the radio centre, after 15 years, discovered that they'd uh, completed over 1,000 radio advertising effectiveness studies and wanted to do a meta-analysis. So I undertook that. And um, all of that data gave us something that we now call the big audio data mine, which is the world's biggest meta-analysis or data set of radio advertising effectiveness. So what we were able to do is to fuse data from JET, data from audio track, and data from the big audio data mine to find 22 campaigns that we could look at in terms of word count performance. We would like more. I think as time increases, that number of campaigns that we can use as our, our sample will increase. But that was certainly enough to be going on with. So when you had this data and you selected these campaigns, did you go into that with an idea of what you wanted to find? Did you know that you were going to be looking for word counts and the impact on effectiveness? Or were you just looking for trends at that stage? Mm, that's a really nice question. No, we did not know what we would find. I've got great friends over at Audio Trek, and you know the idea that we had. I think the idea came out over a beer, as most good ideas, you know, generally do. And we thought, well, let's take a look at it. We don't know what's going to be in there. And one of the really interesting things that Audio Track does is it auto transcribes the copy in an ad. So what that gives us is this huge database of what radio ads are saying. And by the way, it isn't just radio ads, it's across linear, it's across um, streaming platforms, and it's across podcasts as well. So there's, there's you know, every species of audio ad mm. in the UK represented. And, you know, we get this great big database of what ads are saying to their customers. And it was that that gave us the first inkling that we had something unique here. So one of the first things that you want to do if you're, in, if you're anything like me, and you're given a big text file like that, is start counting the number of words that you get in ads and also counting the number of times that brands mention their own names, for instance. Right. So that's kind of where it began. So when you say audio ads, just for clarity, are we talking about spot ads or did the data include things like host reads, for example? These are all spot ads that are scheduled. Host reads don't really get programmatically positioned um, because, you know, there are completely different species of, um, of advertising. So this is all 30-second or 20-second or whatever, you know, run-of-play ads. Okay, well, we've identified the next bit of research that you need to do now, so, so that's good. We've got that out of the way for 2024's project. Um, so what are the headlines here? What did you find when you looked at this data? Well, there were um, some quick headlines to begin with about the number of times brands... Um, uh, mention the, the row names and uh, it's, it's it's kind of about two on average. Now, the next call this question, is that is that enough or is that too many? And at the moment, we don't know. We'd like a little more data. There are tentative kind of um, suggestions in the data about what the optimum number might be, but I'm not going to set any hairs running by um, talking about um, half-baked data and conclusions drawn from it. What we kind of started looking at next, other than, you know, the, the growth in ads over um, different platforms over time, which is what the audio track um, data set's very good for, 
is the word count. Now, this is where we did begin to see a clear story emerging. Word count varies quite significantly across advertiser category. On average, for all types of brands, the average word count is about 169 words per minute. Now, we're saying per minute. We, you know, If it's a 30-second ad, it's going to be half of 169. And if you've got good mental arithmetic, you'll have worked out what that is already. But the average did change from category to category quite a lot. So, for instance, the category with the highest level of word count is finance. And the category with the lowest level of word count was food and drink. Finance came in at 180 words per minute and food and drink at 155. That is quite a big difference, actually. And in between, we've got categories like retail and motors and travel, which are, you know, around about the average. So we thought, okay, that's interesting. There's some variation in that. Um, We should probably dig into this. And the questions that started arising again is, you know, which of those categories is doing it right? What would be the best kind of word count? When you look on the internet, Jim, there isn't much out there. The only kind of advice I could find in any kind of quantity is for people who are about to be uh, a best man. So if you're trying to be a best man and to be a hero on somebody else's wedding day, there is loads of advice about how fast you should speak and how long you should speak for online. Well, Yeah, believe it or not. And what they've discovered is the, the optimum word count, if you're a best man, you never know, you might need this one day, is 150 words per minute. Okay, so bear that in mind. But that's compared to other kind of like speech categories. Audiobooks average is about 160 words per minute, as it happens. Remember, we've got 169 average across all of the categories and ad categories that we looked at. Radio and podcast hosts, they speak at about 160 words per minute as well. So it gives you a feel for, you know, what might be a good target. But then you get People like auctioneers, they're speaking at 250 words per minute and sports commentators can even reach 400 words per minute. And in the right context, each of those um, media um, stars, whether they're auctioneers or sports commentators, are um, doing a good job. You know, people appreciate what they do. They can follow them. But is that right for an ad? And when you're looking at 180 words per minute on finance, you can see which territory you're creeping into. So to answer that question, you know, What's the right kind of pace? What we could do was look at the campaigns we had in the big audio data mine and those that also kind of appeared on the JET database that audio track would have data for. And we had 22, as I said earlier. What the big audio data mine contains is lots of information about campaign performance. And it will include lots of questions that we ask people about the way that they've remembered or the way that they've enjoyed or perceived any radio campaign that they've been exposed to. Mm. And so we have a whole bunch of metrics about ad performance that we could look at. And we could see the campaigns that have got the high words per minute count And we could see how they're scoring on certain uh, metrics. And we could do the same for the campaigns with um, the low word count. And what we found, Jim, was really, really significant. The key standout story is that as the word count increases for an audio ad, the one metric that seems to suffer the most is the one we call creative standout. And what that means is as the words go up, creative standout goes down. Now, creative standout is is a very simple question, you know, um, and did this ad stand out to you? Does it sound different from everything else that you're hearing in the ad break or that you recall 
in all the time that you've been listening to the radio over the last X period. And it correlates very closely with overall creative performance and creative effectiveness. And so what we're seeing here is increased word count doesn't do you an awful lot of good in terms of creative effectiveness. That's important because the question that you know, arised in my mind next to us, well, okay, you know, it's suggesting here that um, creativity might be suffering and creative impact might be suffering. And the only people who really seem to care about that are the creatives themselves because they're always telling us at every conference I go to that um, you need to really focus on quality of creative because, you know, that's going to make a big difference. But frankly, who listens, you know? I'm, I really feel sorry for these um, guys and girls, you know, doing great work, but nobody really seems to fully appreciate it. So we thought, well, let's see what the numbers have to say about this. What happens when creative standout begins to fall? Again, the story that came out was, was, was remarkable. We looked at all of the different outcomes for a campaign that um, creative standout can affect. And the one it has its strongest relationship with, Jim, is ad response in the form of web visits. Now, the implication here is... If your creative effectiveness is falling, if your standout creatively is going down due to high word count, you are basically messing with your campaign's ability to drive web traffic to your website. That's the key message that we're getting from this. Okay. So going back to what you said earlier about the idea that some sectors were, let's say, worse offenders than others, and some really pushed their word count up, you can kind of understand that instantly where you think of things like finance that require heavy T's and C's that take up a portion of the advert, those horrifically rapidly delivered things that you get at the end of adverts, whereas something like food, it gives you more space. You can be emotive, and we know emotive is a driving factor in kind of ad response anyway. So I understand that variation. Does that variation kind of reflect in different platforms as well to a certain extent in terms of adverts? I, I, I guess what I'm asking are, audiences on different platforms more tolerant of longer word counts i'm thinking maybe podcasting for example it's kind of a a longer form medium and potentially audiences there are more susceptible to increased word counts or did, did you not go into that kind of data sadly we don't have the data yet to break this up by platform i would like to because i think that's a very interesting question I mean, the basic rules of good communication in audio, I think we've known about them for a while. And I think the way that they've been articulated, uh, it's been, they've been articulated for a period uh, and um, a media planning culture that's now passed. We've got a new generation of um, media planners and marketers and creatives who did not begin their media and marketing careers by getting a tour of the local radio station or the local, you know, TV, um, regional TV channel, and got exposed to the people that produce creative for those platforms and care about it and do it really, really well. And frankly, that's where most of the money used to go, along with regional press. Most young people that are moving into the industry these days, and, you know, my daughter's a great example of this, their first experience or contact with the media ecosystem is now with the almost the self-serve tools that are provided by companies like Meta and Alphabet or Google, as people know about them more, more generally, to plan their own digital pay-per-click campaigns. That is an entirely different mindset to how um, people think about creative, think about effectiveness, 
and also the level of control they personally have over the way campaigns stop, start, get A, B tested, all that kind of thing. So really the language, the concepts, the ideas to communicate audio effectiveness to a bunch of people who have not been really framing their thinking about media to accept that message simply and easily. It's just not happening. So I think this is where we find, you know, the kind of news that we're getting from Workout Matters is making a big difference because it's starting from the point of view of those people. Because what I wanted to do with this study, Jim, was to break it down into brass tacks and to illustrate at a very practical level what word count or excessive word count can do to something that those people in that paperclip culture care deeply about, which is ad response in the form of web visit traffic. So what we did was um, relatively simple. We built a dashboard, and what this dashboard does is give you the opportunity to plug in some very simple numbers. The first number that you can plug in is what's your current word count. You're going to put an audio ad out. Maybe you're not very experienced at booking audio. This might be your first ever audio campaign. Let's put it in and see what happens. So you put your number in, and let's say you put in 147, and that's that happens to be... Um, the average number of words that campaigns with no terms and conditions actually have. That's the average word count for um, um, non-T and C ads. And what the system will do is it will spit out the expected response you'll get for your campaign, depending on how big your campaign is. So if, you, if you've got a national campaign, it will tell you what your expected response is. What it will also do is it will kind of compare your actual word count number let's say you've got a really high word count and let's say you're doing a finance campaign you've got lots of terms and conditions or creatively you're just basically gabbling and you've got like something like 190 words per minute you plug that in as well and what the system will do it will compute how many website visits you'll get and how many website visits you could have if you just reduce your, your word count by a little bit and the numbers are like remarkable I mean, like one test that we did, creative standout scores were dropping. You know, if you if you put an extra 24 words in a 30-second ad over what we would call like, you know, a safe average, your creative standout score, for instance, will drop from about 40% to about 33%. So that's like a 7% you know, percentage point drop. We can then turn that into what happens to your web response rate. Now, on average, according to the Radio Gauge Big Audio Data Mine, Metadata set. Average web response rate to a radio campaign is about 1.8%. That doesn't sound like a big number, but in the world of direct response and pay-per-click, that is a big number. But if you put too many words in your gabble in your radio ad, what happens to that 1.8%? Well, it drops to 1.3%. And again, you might think, well, that's not a big drop, is it? You know, is that a lot? Well, Let's just imagine you're working in the context of a national brand and you've booked a national radio campaign that's expected to reach around about 33 million adults in the UK. Okay, that's like a normal average national radio campaign. With a normal kind of creative standout score, you'd probably expect to get about 600,000 campaign web referrals. Okay, 600,000 extra visits is what you'd expect to get from that campaign. If you muck it all up, and you put too many words in your ads, that will reduce your web response rate to 1.3%, and that will cut the number of visits from 600,000 to just under 400,000. 
as a 27% fall in web response. Now, that's a big number, mm -hmm. Jim. If you, if you think about uh, the return on investment that people need from their um, audio campaigns, the number of conversions they might have got if that 27% fall hadn't happened, probably that on its own, that opportunity loss would have paid for the radio campaign or the audio campaign in itself. And I think that's where I think we've had the traction. I think we're basically explaining creative effectiveness now to a generation that is coming out the whole idea of advertising from an entirely different direction. And is it literally a sliding scale? Is it literally one less word delivers this, two less words delivers this? Yeah, it's fairly linear. The The regression model, and I might get this wrong from memory, but for every every 10 words extra that you put into your, any 10 words per, per minute extra that you put into your um, ad copy, you can expect creative standout to fall by 1%. And so every time creative standout falls by 1%, your web response rate is going to fall by a, a degree as well. I can't remember exactly what the ratio is. But yeah, it's, it's fairly linear. I guess, and it's really interesting, the data around word count, but, and I might be completely wrong here, but my assumption is that it's not word count alone. You've already mentioned creative standout. So it's the reduction of word count that allows the freedom to be more creative and be more standout. Was there any kind of data or research around originality or calls to action or emotive language that fed into that increase in ad effectiveness as well? There is a little bit of data within the study that suggests that um, call to action is useful. Again, we'd like more campaigns. And we know from Big Audio Data Mine that calls to action for specific campaign objectives are useful if they're necessary. But you don't always need a call to action because radio is also a very effective branding medium, which can help generate brand awareness and, you know, uh, brand familiarity and brand likability. Those, those are three very important, you know, attributes for any advertiser to strive for. But the thing that we did try looking for was were, were there specific creative attributes in terms of like humor or accents or different genders or class-based accents that, you know, or regional accents that made a difference. And um, even in a data set as large as the radio gauge one, the big audio data mine radio database of a thousand campaigns, there is no real conclusive evidence that we, you know, we can be totally confident about that tells you that there are specific silver magic bullets that, you know, you should have in your creative. However, what we did find, which came through pretty clearly, is having consistent, distinctive audio creative assets really does make a difference. And these can be in the forms of, you know, mnemonics, sonic logos. It can be familiar voice actors or characters or a music that, you know, when you, when it, when you hear that on the radio, you immediately know who you're listening to. So the best example I could probably give you on this is that what we tend to see for a lot of the ads with the high word counts is basically the copy is really trying to operate as text-based information, verbalized text-based information. And, you know, every second of the copy is filled with information and people think they're doing the right thing and they don't really appreciate what people take in and what they don't take in. What that's doing is not giving people... The, you're not really using the full bandwidth of, uh, of the way that audio works. 
As it turns out, humans communicate at about 39 bits a second. Okay. Um, just illustrate, you know, how inefficient this text-based communication strategy is in audio. Communicating at 39 bits per second means that humans have got this kind of limit on what they can um, understand and take in through linear speech. And uh, if you think that's high or low, um, if you're old enough like me to remember the very first modems, you know, before broadband was available and they used to make that plonky plonk noise and you put your phone in a rubber cup and stuff like that, the they, were, they were communicating at 14,000 bits per second. That's the difference here that we're talking about. Like, if you've ever waited for a photograph to download on one of those pre-broadband, you know, um, um, lines, you'll know how frustrating that is. So we're communicating in the normal verbal way in a very, very slow fashion. But that isn't the only way that people communicate and take on board information orally, because there's a second channel that works at the um, level of um, memory and symbology that's far more efficient. And rather than explain, you know, the science behind that, there's some great, there's a great science paper um, that explained this to me that came out earlier this year, actually, which I really enjoy. If I, could, if I, had, if I had the reference, I'd, I'd give it to you, but I forgot. What it boils down to is I can either explain to you about a fast food restaurant and why you should go there, or I could go... <laughs> if I do that... Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Everyone remembers the smell when they go in there, the sights, the colours, the sounds. McDonald's is what immediately comes to mind. And the efficiency with which that occurs and the emotional space that you can create by not using words but using audible memories and audible emotions makes all the difference. It's a far more effective way of talking to a human's limbic system, if that's the way you want to think about it, than using text-based information. And I think that just reflects what all of the great creatives have been telling us for a long time. It's fascinating stuff. And as you say, it's kind of messaging that people have been hammering for a long time, but maybe it hasn't always seeped into the ad world, be it from creatives or for radio people as well. Everybody that's worked in radio has had at some point a boss that's told them to keep it simple, one thought, one link, I think if you boil it down, that's kind of what we're saying is that simple messaging delivered emotively is what makes advertising effective. I'll put all the links to the research so people can dig into this data in the podcast description because there's so much more than what we've talked about today and there's so many different avenues you can explore and go down in the data. But if you were going to distill it down to kind of three main takeaways from this data, three bits of advice for advertisers or creatives that wanted to improve the impact of their advertising or their audio ad, what would those kind of three takeaways be? I think, first of all, just remember that word count matters, all right? The more words that you try to cram into an audio communication opportunity, the less successful you're likely to be. However, it is really easy to make a bad ad with very few words in. This is not a silver bullet solution. I think use your use your judgment and creative discretion, obviously. <laughs> you know, you can still make a bad ad with very few words in it, as we know. So it's not it's not that straightforward. So I wouldn't want to miss I wouldn't want people to misunderstand that. The second thing is direct response in the form of web traffic is super important to a growing number of advertisers today. And it turns out that audio is really, really good at this. And 
I'm doing work now with the radio centre that suggests that there's a, there's a fantastic relationship between exposure to audio advertising and organic search that's very exciting. We don't fully understand it yet. We're trying to. We're working hard on that. But what it's making the point is effective creative on audio will stimulate web visits and web traffic and it very often does it in ways that's difficult to pinpoint, like through, you know, organic search behaviours. It influences that. So we're not quite sure how it works at the moment, but it does. So if you can get your creative right by reducing word count, it's going to be helpful. And then I would say the third thing is those memories, those associations that you can create through audio are absolutely vital for success in audio advertising context and they are a work of patience you are getting it wrong if the ad that you played last quarter bears little or no audible resemblance to the ad that you're playing this quarter also if you're using audible cues like music voice actors or anything else in your tv or video work you really have to reflect that in your audio work as well you should be giving people a 360 kind of um, experience of your of your brand's visual landscape or soundscape. And if you can do that, these simple rules, I think, will help guide you to better effective um, audio campaigns. Jason, fascinating insight, fascinating research. I look forward to seeing what you pull out of this data set next, because it sounds like there's some more nuggets to come from it in the future for you guys but thank you very much for your time on VoiceWorks Sound Business Absolute pleasure Fascinating stuff from Jason I really think there's some more data and insight that will be pulled out of the data sets that they've got together in the coming weeks and months but for now it's all about word counts and if you want to read more of that data head into the podcast description the links are there you can download the full report and get up to your eyeballs in stats. If audio advertising is your thing, there's a couple of other episodes of VoiceWorks Sound Business that I think are well worth checking out. Making digital audio work harder for brands is probably worth a bit of your time. Working out what works with Damien Scrab of Veritonic has some really interesting insight into the tracking attribution tools that are now available for podcasters. And if you want to get stuck into some of the theory of audio advertising, the Psychology of Sound episode is worth your time as well. I'll put links to all those episodes in the podcast description as well. And as always, if you want to talk about your audio strategy or podcasting in general, then the VoiceWorks team is always willing to listen. VoiceWorks.ai. Voiceworks.ai.